0: This is Down the Rabbit Hole episode number 18. Uh welcome to our podcast. Our podcast is dedicated for shows about sci-fi, about uh, science, about mysteries, technology, technology, anything like this and anything. that might interest uh, everybody.
1: Carl, yeah. How are you? I'm fine. I'm a bit I'm a bit bothered about the weather obviously because I'm English. Uh-huh. And uh it's supposed to be warm now. Yeah, but it's actually cold. It's cold. It's like the spring or something, or like and winter. Actually, I'm getting a cold. You are getting a cold, and I'm standing as far away from you as possible. I know.
0: I will start to talk to you the other
1: way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have to go to extremes again. Yeah. <laughs> and today we have a new...
0: Uh, science episode, Yule edition. News. You can say, yes, Mm. news. Uh, Every month we said we're going to have a show about news, science news.
1: And these are things that we have found interesting Uh this month. And we,
0: without wasting so much time, let's get to them.
1: Yeah, you're going to start, I think. Yeah,
0: of course. We're going to start with uh, one of the news about the Hubble telescope, Mm. which just discovered a new moon uh, planetoid, in our, planetoid In our solar system, yes yeah. And it comes from a planetoid yeah. A planetoid that is in the asteroid belt Yeah In the Kuiper belt And it was interesting because uh, This uh, dwarf planet, the Makimaki mm. uh, Kind of Japanese name, or it's actually Japanese It is uh, a Japanese name. word, I believe Yes, uh, it was actually thought to be a planet without a satellite <laughs> Until right, uh, it was discovered now that from the Hubble that uh, they it actually has orbiting uh, a moon, a moon, yeah, and temporarily has been named the MK two, catchy, is, right? <laughs> and actually, I was laughing because when I saw uh, the full name of the moon, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, definitely MK two is better. <laughs> Because you know what's the full name of it? Go on. S two zero one five one three six four seven two. That was in parentheses yeah. one.
1: That works for me actually, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm good at re- for some reason I'm good at remembering numbers. But, but yeah, it is a little. So
0: uh, there is a reason of why uh, in the past was thought that the planet didn't have a, a moon, and it's the fact that it's. Uh, estimated to be 161 kilometers in diameter, and it's orbiting at around 20,900 kilometers away. Wow! So that's why it was thought that there's no moon around.
1: Yeah, because it's so close to it,
0: It's so close. It's so small, smaller that it was practically being uh, obscured because the Mm -hmm. fact that it's one of the brightest uh, planetoids in the belt because it's ice, it's an icy dwarf planet, Right. It was, uh, that was one of the reasons. And uh, so it's very interesting, uh, the fact that we are discovering even more about uh, our own solar system, yes. first of all.
1: It's is fascinating, isn't it? And uh, actually, a couple of things. One, while you've been talking, I decided to just something I should have done earlier, uh-huh. which was to actually look up the meaning of Uh huh, and... It's not Japanese. It's not Japanese, and I'm sure people are listening to it going, these idiots. Oh, my Uh, God. So apparently, just to clarify, Maki Maki actually comes from the Easter Islands, and it Uh is to do with one of their uh, mythical, one of their gods Uh of their culture or religion or whatever. So... It is nothing to do with Japanese. (laughs) We're sorry for (laughs) suggesting that. And just one other thing, now we've corrected that small point. Uh Uh-huh. This thing, I'm going to stray off subject slightly into other areas that we've talked about in the past, but I'm going to bring up aliens, okay? Yes. Just briefly. Go ahead, yeah. And... There's a, uh, a, shall we say, a school of thought or uh-huh. some ideas out there that…
0: Conspiracy theories. Uh,
1: not exactly conspiracy <laughs> theory, but, but let us say, people say, well, has the Earth been visited by alien civilization uh-huh. or aliens in the past? You know, we all know movies like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey where uh-huh. they found a monolith on the, the moon. The monolith on the moon. Yeah. And then, of course, they found another one in orbit around Jupiter, I think it was. It uh-huh, uh-huh. was a 2010 movie. Both great movies. Um, but there is this idea that if we have been visited by alien... Uh, civilizations. ...cultures or civilizations, that that they could set up a simple test of how advanced we are when we discover or become aware of them uh-huh. by actually leaving artifacts in the outer parts of the solar system. So, yeah. that, so that the only way we can find them is when we've advanced sufficiently technically to actually
0: go there. It, it's, it's like trying to go step by step. Yeah. First know your own home before trying to go yeah. farther exactly. than that. Yeah. So, so I suppose it's the same reasoning, you know. Before going out of the house first, you have to know yeah. your own house. Yes. Know your own solar system.
1: Exactly. So, again, um, there was a actually a related thing, which was in the uh, either mid-60s or mid-70s, there was actually a survey done with telescopes uh-huh. of a couple of the Lagrange points in our system. Yeah, uh-huh. Now, Lagrange points, if people are not aware of it, is where gravities balance out. And, for example, the Sun Observatory, I think it's uh-huh. called SOHO, that satellite that yeah, uh-huh. gives those fantastic images of the sun, uh, that is in the Earth-Sun Lagrange point. Yeah. And there was actually a survey done of Lagrange points, a telescope, visible light survey, done of Lagrange points, actually looking for unexpected objects at the Lagrange points. Again, Uh again, the thinking being, well, what would be a smart place to leave something so that when these poor humans get to the point where Uh they've they've got beyond banging the rocks together and they've actually managed to make some technology... Let's leave them a little message out in the language. If
0: we think about that, what about now that we can measure gravitational waves?
1: Yeah. and
0: That would be an interesting point to leave uh, a clue somewhere. Exactly. Discover the gravitational wave.
1: Exactly. And there has been a recent development by a British company that used to be... Called well, it was called Kinetic, which was a the UK equivalent of the US DARPA agency. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but it's now a private company, but it still does pretty some pretty out there research. And they recently announced a not uh, well a kind of gravity. It is a gravity detector, and I think we discussed it uh-huh, uh-huh. previously, where it is a tiny little thing that uses a quantum mechanical structure, so it's like, you know, atomic size, Um, but it can actually detect the mass of a human being moving up to the detector. It's that sensitive. Now, uh now that may seem sensitive, but apparently it is not as sensitive as these big uh, gravity wave detectors. Yes. But, um, again, it opens up... We're getting into areas of detection that previously have been impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're really straying off this planetoid moon subject. Uh-huh. But I just thought I would.
0: And Chuck. No, but in. it was interesting. And also mm. the fact to point out that, for example, this uh, uh, new talk about the ninth planet, Planet Nine, oh, the p- <laughs> planet detected by Nine. the gravitational waves, that
1: there's something there. Yes. It's well, been thought to be a planet, right? Well, they—they they, what they've detected is that there are some, uh, some there are some there. asteroids moving in an odd way and the only explanation is there's another body of considerable size and they're calling yeah. it Planet Nine, aren't they? Yeah. And, of course, there's lots of conspiracy nonsense around that yeah. subject, uh, right?
0: Well, they also think that probably the orbit is so big Huge. that it will take quite some time until we 40, see 40,000 years, I think, something is the thing like the
1: orbit is, right?
0: So, like the like, we have been discovering these kind of things, like you said. What if we suddenly discover something else?
1: Well, what if we um, discovered in the asteroid belt or the Kuiper belt an artifact?
0: Wow, that would be that
1: was left there, right? As mm-hmm. a as you've got this for, here's a little something to catch your attention.
0: In fact, in fact, the other day I was watching. Uh, I was with my daughter. We were a little bored. We turned on the TV. We started to watch some documentaries on Netflix, and after watching some about uh, karate, (laughs) we ended (laughs) up in one about aliens on the moon. Aliens. It it was funny because or interesting about exactly the same thing, you know, dark side of the moon about structures being found there or similar look like structures and why we never come back and so on. And it's kind of related to that. What yeah, if there's something thing. left there?
1: Yeah, the same thing, right? So if you're going to leave uh, something, a something of interest, uh, yeah. back end of the backside of the moon is a good place to leave it, isn't it? Because yeah. we have to achieve You need to have that
0: technology, a certain level of technology to exactly. go to the back of the moon. Yeah.
1: Of course, what they're not allowing for is our complete lack of common sense as a species. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't we have the technology, but we don't have the um yeah you know the the thinking that goes with it uh, definitely uh, but there you go so let's, let's move to the next news okay, are we going to do the next item it's yeah your turn it's my turn now, so this is my first item, and I'm currently desperately uh, trying to get back to where I left my um notes oh here we are uh, well, okay, my first item. Is in the nanotechnology field, uh-huh. and it is a um, a not a breakthrough, but the title of the uh, piece is the world's tiniest engine, and basically, it is some work carried out in the United Kingdom at the University of Cambridge, uh-huh. right? And it is a it is a nano engine well wow. that is small enough to enter a cell a living cell and it is the engine is a few billionths of a meter in size so when, wow. we're not talking off-road type you know power here it is the thing is that this is this is small. built it is a built thing it is a technological thing it, Right.
0: That's just by itself is incredible. Which
1: is unbelievable. And it is powered by light.
0: Even more. <laughs>
1: Even more incredible, yeah. Just gets better, doesn't it? And it's thought that it could form the basis of nano machines. And one of the big problems with nanotechnology, and I think we've discussed this before, is yeah. that it seems to hold so much promise, you know, and we've all Kind of seen the movies like Fantastic Journey and Fantastic Voyage and all this stuff. Of course, you know,
0: getting injected into the body of somebody else—all that, all right. right?
1: It's just—it's a man type adventure. Uh-huh. But, but the thing about it is that for all the progress we're making with nanotechnology, there are certain fundamental things that we don't know how to do yet. One is how do you really power these nano machines? Because you ain't going to do it with a nano-sized battery, right? That isn't well, going to happen. Uh-huh. So how do you power them? Uh, how do you command them? How do you tell them what to do if they're meant to be guided? How uh-huh. do you do that, right? Because uh-huh. because rad- standard radio isn't going to work because they're too small. The You know, the wavelength of radio is just completely out of kilter. You couldn't make an antenna that would receive anything. And again, how do you actually get them to move around? And there have been several attempts at kind of mechanical movements, uh-huh. but apparently, this is the first one that offers a real potential for actual powering a device, and that is making it move. Because this uh, nano engine is made of um, charged particles of gold and they are in a gel of temperature-responsive polymers. And basically the nano-engine works by making the polymers either absorb water or uh-huh. eject water. So it's a kind of a cyclic They They, they were comparing it
0: like a... Uh, uh, uh. A steam engine
1: like a well it's kind of like an elastic yeah. band type type of thing where you're storing energy up and then you yeah. can trigger light it to release and then, tr- and then you can get it to store energy up again and then it's and apparently the the um the the speed at which this thing um expands is phenomenal it is um it is billionths of a second, which is like wow. My goodness, right, yeah, so the whole point then is that this may form in the future a motive um, a motive engine for nano machines. It may be the the first time we've actually got something that might work mm-hmm. um but of course it still leaves the other issues of uh if you're going to command these things, how do you do that? Um, so on and so forth. But the potential, obviously, is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, if you can build a nano machine that can actually move about um, in the human body, mm-hmm. the the potential for that is enormous, and uh, we shall see. Yeah. So that is... Um, and, of course, we always provide links to uh, some yeah. of this stuff. So if any but of this interests you, look at i that. I think
0: it's important to mention about this uh, new engine. Yeah. That, and because the fact that moves uh, like in liquid, like in water. Yeah, exactly. It is. It could be used to help fight diseases at cellular level.
1: Exactly. Um, it could be used, for example, to deliver gene therapy into yeah. very specific cell types. Uh-huh. Um, all this kind of stuff. I said, by the way, I said earlier, this thing moves, expands on the billionth of a second uh, scale. It's actually millionth, uh-huh. millionths of a second, not billions of a second. Um, yeah, so the, the potential is enormous, and um, the... Cambridge's Cavendish lab- laboratory where this was um developed. Um they are now working to find ways to commercialize this this engine. So you can imagine them it's a bit like how they do now with car manufacturing where the where uh-huh. you have a you have a chassis that comes from one place, you source your engine from another place, you source your um your electronics from another place and you build a car, this is how car manufacturing and development is going these days, and they're, they're kind of moving into the same approach with this technology where some people will do the sensors, some people will yeah. jet create a, an engine, somebody else will have a chassis, and we have this kind of modular approach. It's very exciting. And probably Completely. and probably worrying at the same time. <laughs> we always have to worry about all this stuff. That, yeah. Yeah. Don't we? Because we know there are doctor evils out there. Yes. So and
0: that was uh about the tiniest, tiniest tiniest thing, Engine small. Mm. Uh, 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 engine. Uh we have now another news. Hm. Mm. We go back now to space.
1: Space, because we like space.
0: Because now we have been uh, discovered three new planets that may host infrared-based uh, life. <laughs> well, that's right. And uh, this was made by the uh, Transiting Planet Sun Planet SIMALS uh, Small Telescope, uh-huh. which, uh, in short, is called TRAPPIST.
1: So this is this detects planets by the transit, the blinking, uh-huh. um, obscuring this. And, and there, like. the,
0: the the interesting part here yeah. is that those three planets are new and are just forty light years away.
1: That's literally next door. They right? are neighbors. Neighbors. Oh, yeah. Close neighbors. So,
0: and they were found orbiting an ultra cool dwarf star. Right. So, this makes that the three planets that were discovered, which uh, might have temperatures similar to the ones of Earth and Venus, make it to the uh, science field to be very uh, So, in the Goldilocks appealing. zone, yes. you
1: know, the liquid water. And, zone.
0: and they have become right now the best targets hmm. to search for life outside the solar system
1: and apparently i read that because the the star that they're uh-huh. going around is quite dull relatively speaking yes right? uh, it makes it easier to potentially examine the planets more closely because exactly. obviously they're easier to see right?
0: and that actually uh because of the, the star is kind of small and cool, <clears throat> the life that could exist in the planet would have yeah. to adapt to another spectrum yeah. of light, which is infrared light. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Which makes, for us, uh, a very interesting target for studying life yeah. in yeah. other planets.
1: Well, yes, if we could, yeah. And, of course, we've talked before about... Uh, potential technologies that are being uh-huh. developed, like the starshade and the all these other things, that will enable much closer inspection of planets uh-huh. like this.
0: And with the next uh, decade, they are saying that with the launch of the James Webb uh, Space Telescope, yeah, will be a big uh, help yeah, in be- the study of uh, because of that those. is
1: an, a largely infrared telescope. Exactly.
0: And we're talking about infrared and so on. So it's the perfect match, let's say. And they were the declarations saying that this facility will allow us to search for biogenic gases, Mm. oxygen or methane, for example, that would firmly indicate the presence of life, or search for other gases, species that would tell us about the planet's compositions, geothermal activity, and evolutionary history.
1: Yeah, because of course, a real telltale of... Kind of, shall we say, more complex life might uh-huh. be. Might be telltale gases that are due to industrial activity, and all, all this is now achievable and within reach. It's unbelievable, isn't it?
0: Yes, and like uh, they were also this. Uh, they were saying this is like the jackpot for for the field. Let's say okay. for the search of. Uh, yeah. Extraterrestrial life outside Wait, of the solar system—life,
1: just—it's a kind of a gift, real, isn't it? Because uh, you got the James Webb Telescope going yeah. up, which it's is
0: so close. Planets—you yeah. have the capacity with that to search them correctly. Yeah. The fact that it's an ultra cool star, so yeah. you don't have that problem of
1: uh, examining the planets correctly. Yeah, because the sun's a lot less brighter. And I just yeah. wonder—I wonder—I can't remember when we talked about the kind of starshade technology. Whether Uh that that was um, possible, because in the starshade technology, the um, researchers talked about Uh pairing it with an existing telescope uh, Uh in space. And I just, I couldn't quite recall whether it was the James Webb telescope was one of the telescopes they were thinking about. Uh, I I think it was. I think it was, Yeah. yeah. Now that would be
0: awesome, right? That would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, and in our lifetime, well... In yours. <laughs> I may go at any moment. We discussed that earlier. <laughs> Especially if I catch that cold you go. Yeah. So, anyway, so am I next? Yeah. Back okay, well, I have got something way off on a different subject here. And um, this is coming out of some research in uh, South Korea. The School of Media of and I'm going to pronounce this wrong, obviously, Skill University in Seoul, South Korea. I'm sure I've got that wrong, but uh, that's the best I can do. Um, They paired up with some researchers at uh, the Vietnam National University in uh, Ho Chi Minh City, and what they have done is they've developed a facial expression recognition algorithm. And their main motivation was to presumably use like a webcam and capture a gamer's facial expressions. Wow. Yeah. And run it through this algorithm, and it will then pick out the emotional, um, shall we say, state, shall we say, of the gamer. And their algorithm in tests has been shown to be 99% accurate and basically the idea is that you can then take this emotional state detection and um, include it in an avatar that the gamer has got within a game so uh, obviously that could make the um the gaming experience more immersive, shall we say, because uh-huh. you're now actually reflecting the real emotional state of the game. Uh-huh. Um now it's very interesting. And the way the way it works, it was tested using thousands of facial images And what it does is it it picks out various physical points on the gamers or the user's face, like eyebrow position, how open the eyes are, mouth shape, all this stuff. And then it figures out, you know, are they angry, disgusted... This is very much related
0: to micro expressions,
1: you know. It, like, it is uh, very uh, much related to that. We talked yeah, about this before. Before in, with uh, in our, the nudge thing, right? In the nudge, yeah. yes. Um, and if anybody's interested in the science of nudge, or listen to the previous, a previous one one of the previous podcast, was about that. And this algorithm can work with very tiny images, right down to forty-eight pixels square, which is pretty small, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, facial expression recognition has been has been the focus of a lot of research. And um the researchers are saying that obviously it can make gaming more interactive and vivid experience, but it also could be used in other areas. Um for example, where actors are um where actors are voicing characters Uh in an animated movie, the actors' um, facial expressions could actually be captured and integrated. And portrayed in the the game itself. Yeah, so not only, obviously now we have motion caption for making animation very, Uh and obviously in the gaming industry, now we're moving into an area where we can capture the emotions, which is interesting stuff. And you can imagine possibly... At some point, we might be able to capture biometric real-time data about a user and integrate it with the facial expression and get an even more nuanced impression.
0: (laughs) Well, this can actually be used by law enforcement as well.
1: Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Uh,
0: Imagine that, for example, you have a situation of a conference with high-profile people. Yeah. And you have to scan around the public... Yes. ...for possible threats. Yes. And you can catch up emotions from the public, let's say, present in a certain event.
1: Yeah.
0: You could, let's say, potentially help you to prevent... Uh, yes.
1: Well, like we issues. have now facial recognition with yeah. CCTV. Uh-huh. We all know it's going on, people, right? Um, yeah, but let's say that you have people that maybe... <laughs>
0: is upset with something. Yeah. That you could, could pick it up. Potentially react yeah. to some, to a speech or somebody or a politician yes. or
1: somebody. But again, if you could combine that with more biometric data like yeah. temperature, temperature of the right? yeah. you know, can you see something about their face that you can combine? Or?
0: With a micro expression, yeah, with the emotion, you can easily detect that, that guy is about to jump in.
1: Yeah, we're or, getting we're getting <laughs> carried away as usual. Yeah, or get that anti-egg screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't start me off. Um yeah, so that's uh, very interesting research there and uh-huh. again we've got some links to to that in the show notes. Yeah. So I think you've got something you want to bring up next. Yep.
0: And we go Back again to
1: space. We we're going sh- like in sh- and out, in and out. We're
0: doing you know, the just, whole thing. Yeah.
1: So what and now we're go- we
0: talking about uh, NASA uh, just detecting oxygen in the Martian atmosphere. All right. And it has been the first time in 40 years that this has been able to be done again. Yeah. And it was done through the uh, Stratospheric Observatory for Infrared Astronomy.
1: And that is a very interesting thing in itself, isn't it? Yes.
0: The, which, uh, Sophia. Goes, right? Sophia goes in a plane.
1: It's a jumbo jet, right? Yes,
0: above Earth at 45,000 feet or mm. 13.7 kilometers.
1: Yep.
0: And the oxygen atoms were found actually not in the atmosphere, but in the part called the mesosphere. Mm. And this is going to help astronomers or uh, uh, scientists to identify how the atmosphere and the
1: gases escape from Mars yeah. all, uh, all this time, since a long time ago. Is this to do with our future attempts of making Mars our, our lifeboat? Well, lifeboat uh, Mars
0: certainly leads to the thought that it could be terraformed.
1: Yeah, we've discussed this before. Right? Yes, we
0: have discussed this before of... Probably make no sense if anyway there's nothing to hold the atmosphere together.
1: Well, th- this is what we discussed but, before. There's no magnetic field, right?
0: Yes. But like we were also discussing before starting the podcast today, is <laughs> uh, it, the atmosphere was leaked, a lo- leaked over millennia. Yes. So if somehow you can just keep on pr- producing atmosphere, maybe, the correct formula maybe
1: might work, right? could work and could be sustained. Yeah, it does I mean we we previously have talked about this <coughs> why would you why how can you terraform Mars when it oh, clearly is lost it, that it's how much, there is another problem of course yeah. which is that our magnetosphere on earth protects us protects from, us from um, solar flares solar flares and cosmic particles and all this and stuff uh-huh. so again on Mars uh, there's no magnetosphere so having an atmosphere doesn't solve that problem so again how ha- you would imagine that if we terraformed mars in any way uh, uh, to me to me it would seem that you'd have to be thinking about more of an underground habitat or type.
0: like sci-fi style domes
1: yeah but, or that
0: reminds me of something else oh, you go on uh, I saw another news recently yeah. about this. Actually, I was going to put it today, but they said, "Well, maybe we can just mention it around." And now it's like the perfect moment to mention it.
1: Mention why?
0: It's like a second skin, an artificial skin. Oh yeah. You can uh, spray it on you yeah. and forms a second skin on you. Right. That can be elastic, waterproof, and protect you to, from a lot of stuff. Right. So, if that kind of technology could be developed for. Protecting also from extra radiation in Mars, for example.
1: Well, we'd all have to have a second skin. Yeah.
0: Right. But that makes it more light.
1: True. I
0: true. having a full suit.
1: I, I, I suspect, though, that stopping cosmic rays and other yeah. stuff, energetic particles, is probably going to need... More Something than, more than uh, you know it's going to need some kind of structure isn't it uh-huh. to, i mean we, as we've we've talked before about maybe we 've not done a podcast about it, but getting from Earth to Mars a mission, yeah you know one of the big issues is how do you protect the astronauts. Um, the yeah the the astronauts against and, solar flares and, all, yeah. and going through the van Allen radiation belts and all this stuff uh-huh. And, you know, there have been various proposals. One is uh, shrouding a habitable module in water, having Uh a water shell, shall we say. And then the other one is uh, generating a very intense magnetic field.
0: Yes, to protect all
1: around. A bit like the magnetosphere, but on a tiny Uh scale. Um, You know, those are quite serious Which comes back to
0: the also sci-fi part of uh, UFOs. Yeah. about the thing of saying, uh, they work on magnetism true that would help protect them that's how that's why they are here <laughs> right or not
1: but well the, the, now we've just talked about it I was just thinking out loud in a way but Mars right to mm-hmm. provide an atmosphere you don't necessarily have to have domes as long as you created Magnetic bubbles. Yeah. To provide Uh a localised magnetosphere over a community. An area, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Just remember, you heard that here first. (laughs) Yeah. And I may patent that idea. (laughs) (laughs) So, there you go. Let's hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's finish this broadcast now and get down the patent office, right? Yeah. Um... So yeah, that yeah. is interesting. This oxygen. That and, is interesting, and, and, a, and apparently it was very difficult to detect because
0: it? of the blue skies. Because of our atmosphere, our own atmosphere, and but th- this is another thing about the uh, yeah. James Webb Telescope. Mm. It's going to be in
1: orbit. It's a million no, miles away, isn't no it? No
0: more blue skies uh, preventing us to detect things.
1: That sounds like a
0: song. It's going no to no more <laughs> blue skies. Hmm. I know a, another thing to put pl- in there. I know a Pink Floyd song. That's Copyright. Okay,
1: yeah, but the uh, James Webb Telescope, I think, yeah. is about one and a half million miles out. I think at a Lagrange point, actually. Uh-huh. Um, another yeah. one, because really? there are there are many Lagrange yes. points, obviously. But
0: but uh, this telescope uh, is going to be a huge.
1: It's awesome. Huge thing. I mean, have you looked at the? I do keep up with how it's going. I think yeah. it's currently looking at either 2019 is the launch. I think. Something like that. Something like that. Um, Maximum twenty twenty. The technology in that thing—it is stretching what we are capable of doing to the absolute limit. It's phenomenal.
0: Well, maybe uh, I I wonder what's going to come first. Remember that uh, SpaceX said that they would plan a a mission to Mars Mars before twenty twenty. Yeah,
1: they're going to try and put one of those Dragon capsules on Mars surface, and NASA. We should have had that as a news Agreed to help. NASA have teamed up with them to give them assistance. Imagine that. But now
0: imagine that before 2020, they said. That's just four years away.
1: And I would like to suggest some people who could go in that Dragon capsule.
0: Yeah. But I won't. Uh...
1: I'm sorry, folks. But (laughs) if anybody Uh, would like to make any suggestions
0: write to us SpaceX please yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. don't write to us we can't do anything We can not do anything <laughs> we don't, cannot get your ticket those
0: two tickets are for
1: us <laughs> I, I, to be well I wasn't necessarily thinking of going myself I was thinking of some people on this planet that we could do without there are so many candidates
0: what would you expect them to do in the other
1: planet? Uh, well, there'll only be a maximum of three of them, so they could probably just beat each other up. That would be fine.
0: Let's see if they can survive there. Exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Let's move on to the Let's next one. move rapidly on it. Is this one I'm next, I think, aren't I? Uh-huh. And what I came across was a very fascinating Thing and st- <coughs> and I don't know whether any listeners know about this, and I don't know whether you knew about it at all, Rapper. Uh, but this uh, gene therapy, no, uh, it is very interesting. Um, it is being kind of touted as the first gene therapy that is successful against human aging. Now wow! This, I know this is interesting stuff, right? And It all comes down to this lady who is the uh, CEO, I think, of a U.S. company. Yes, she's the CEO of a company called BioViva. It's a U.S. company. And in true mad scientist style, we've all seen these movies, Uh um, she actually received... An experimental gene therapy that her own company developed. Uh-huh. And this was in September 2015. And she received uh, two gene therapies. Uh-huh. Uh, one was to protect against loss of muscle mass with age. Yeah. And obviously, this is a problem. I don't know whether people know, but beyond the age of 50, your biggest. One of your biggest problems is actually loss of muscle mass. Yes. Um, the, uh, and it is a recommendation actually to do resistance training
0: to increase muscle mass over and 50, at least yeah, maintain, maintain muscle the, mass, the muscle right? mass. Yeah. Because
1: that is what you lose. That's why we all shrink. Right?
0: It's exactly what I was about to say. Right. That usually uh, people start to say, well, Look
1: at how she,
0: he, she is shrunk with the age. <laughs> right, you're seventy and you're smaller than you were.
1: <laughs> this is your bones are kind of getting a bit, potentially getting a bit smaller because of um, whatever that's called osteoporosis. osteoporosis. But your muscles, are, mass is going down. And
0: actually, the loss of muscle mass is more visible. Yeah. You course, can notice when somebody loses muscle mass.
1: Totally. It alters their body shape. Everything. Yeah, completely. So anyway, she, her company had developed this experimental therapy that protected against loss of muscle mass. Uh, she received that. And then she received another experimental um, therapy that was to battle stem cell depletion which is largely responsible for age-related diseases and uh-huh. infirmities, right? So she um, offered herself as um, as a, a guinea pig, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because she wanted to demonstrate to the, I suppose, potential investors and the market uh-huh. and the regulators that it was safe. And um, – what is what is interesting is that before she was given the gene therapy, her telemore length was measured. Now the telemores are short sections short sections of DNA which cap the end of every chromosome. And there's a very nice analogy for this for you to imagine in your head, which is like a boot lace or a shoelace the little bit of plastic on the end of the shoelace, the little uh-huh. the little cylinder of plastic uh-huh. on the end, that is like what the telemore is. And every time there is cell division, of course cell division is going on all the time in your body, the telemore gets a little bit shorter. And uh-huh. when the telemore gets beyond a certain shortness, shall we say, the cell uh, begins to malfunction and that is thought largely to lead to the symptoms of ageing. Now, before this lady, and she's called Elizabeth Parrish, before uh, Elizabeth Parrish received the therapies, her telemores were measured. And what was interesting was that uh, it was found that her telemores were unusually short, for her age. She, at the time, was 44 years old. Yeah. And it meant that she was vulnerable to age-related diseases. Now, so she was then given the gene therapy in September 2015, and in March 2016, mm-hmm. well, recently obviously, the same tests were done again. Mm-hmm. And what was found was that her telomeres had lengthened the equivalent of Twenty years of aging, in other words, removed twenty years of aging. Wow! Now remember, she's forty-five now, and it's like being back to be thirty-five.
0: No, uh, (laughs) twenty-five exactly. Right?
1: It's like a new, still new body. (laughs) Yeah, and, and basically, it implies that her white blood cells, the leukocytes, have become biologically younger. Wow, that is astounding, right? Yeah. Anyway, these findings were independently verified by a uh, Brussels-based non-profit company Uh and also by the BioGerontology Research Foundation, which is a UK-based charity uh, committed to uh, combating age-related diseases. And basically, the current situation is that BioViva are continuing to monitor uh, uh, Elizabeth Parrish's blood and they will continue to do so in Mm. the coming months Mm. and years. And meantime, um, BioViva are continuing to develop these therapies and it remains to be seen whether um, these treatments can be expanded into other areas. But right now we have, all we have is... Elizabeth Parrish, and she is patient zero yeah. right? in this whole area that is kind of called restorative gene therapy. And it is astounding.
0: We talk about this similar thing in the past in yeah. a previous podcasts about humans living more than, yeah. let's say, 100 years.
1: But this is the first time I've ever read of something actually being posit- and me- and achieved measured. And measured. Yeah. Right? And. I think we've talked in the past about we know that biologically the kind of biological natural limit for a human is something like one hundred and twenty nine years or something uh-huh. uh, so it is theoretically possible for us to live that long. I can imagine at one hundred and twenty five your quality of life is probably going to be not brilliant, yeah. but with these other the kinds of therapy first of
0: all, going. we let you arrive there
1: well, what I've I think we may have d- discussed in the past but I've certainly discussed with other people about um obviously I'm quite a bit older than you and I think about what am I going to be like in another 20 years time and I think about I my personal belief is that I don't really care so much about uh quantity of life but quality Quality. Right? that's what's mm-hmm. important and it's it's no point in being 80 if you think you're a chicken right <laughs> yeah that's wrong, because you know that's not living right that is there are terrible things that can go wrong as you get older, and it and they're incredibly uh they these conditions that age related conditions impose unbelievable costs on society right to mm-hmm. to keep people going because of Hippocratic oaths and all this kind of stuff, you know, the ethical commitment to keep people yeah. alive, whether the whether it's whether their quality of life really uh is there or not. I can imagine a future not that far away mm-hmm. where it will be way cheaper for your government to give you restorative gene therapy when you're 60 or 70 mm-hmm. instead of going to the expense of increasing medical care, yeah, increasing medication. cost, medication.
0: And medication yeah. heals something and triggers something exactly. else. And why, wound up, yeah. you know,
1: why wouldn't you actually make this freely available as a generic treatment? Exactly. And make people's uh, lives better. Quality? Eh? Yes, and
0: like, I think one of the biggest... Uh, Bumps in mm. uh, in people as they age yeah. is the fact of feeling uh, not uh, useful anymore. Exactly, and all this comes because of these physical sometimes impediments. Yeah, of course. So while your muscle mass is being restored and your body itself is younger, let's say twenty years, as this sh- study shows, yeah. the moment you are seventy, you are still like fifty now. Yeah, and a lot of people at fifty are still very mm, how can say active yeah. people. Now, of course, doing things.
1: Of course, I, I, I've just come up with a really great dystopian concept. Yeah. Which is, of course, which I'm just going to throw in there, which is, you know, perhaps a government would offer uh, this restorative therapy for free uh-huh. if you sign up to continue working. Well, that has to come, right? And paying taxes. Of
0: course. That has to the come price, to that. Right? Yeah. In the end, it has to come to that, and we I think we discussed about something yeah. similar before.
1: Yeah, when so, we
0: talk about living t- until let's say three hundred years of age. Yeah, so this this kind they of, would still. Have, you still have to work. You will still have to pay taxes and can, all that stuff. How,
1: how do you live, right? Yeah, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, there is, but it's not the kind of lunch you want. Is? No, that's what I found.
0: No, yeah. we'll give you the area. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> 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 and um. Yeah, so there there are some interesting there are some interesting concepts here, right? Yeah. Anyway.
0: And I think that uh, with that, we're we Uh We're going to put all those links to the uh, to the news in the show notes.
1: It's been fun, right?
0: It has been fun. Yeah. We have talked about some news. If you have more news for us, mm. write them down in the comments. Send us an email.
1: Yeah, we'd love to know.
0: Yes, and one more thing remember to visit our new newly created or freshly created few freshly weeks <laughs> ago uh, Facebook page. Facebook page yeah. you you can easily access it through how can they slash face the rabbit is that what it's called we can yeah we have a shortcut like that oh, so they will remember I didn't know face that. the rabbit
1: face the rabbit
0: means facing us <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. but we're, we're very friendly yes go there
0: like the page please we will post also any updates there yeah we can discuss news there we can publish also news in there we can do a lot of stuff with people you. can suggest stuff yes interact with us please Carl see you next week <sighs> and
1: thank you and I will look forward to doing this again next week
0: Thank you everyone for listening Have a great week
1: yeah,
0: And see you next time My name is
1: Rafael Ruiz I'm Cowboy
0: See you down the rabbit hole All names, sounds, logos And other related items Are owned by their respective trademark And copyright holders This podcast is a production Of Darkmind Radio Go to darkmindradio.com To find out more All rights reserved. Dark Mind Radio, 2016.